there standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you again today for another interview episode. I'm so excited for today's guest, Greta Small, Australian alpine skier, two-time Olympian from Sochi and Pyeongchang on the cusp of her third Olympics in Beijing. And can you believe only our second ever alpine skier on this show? We haven't had an alpine skier on since Zali Stegel back a few years ago. And you'll hear me talk a little bit about that in the intro with Greta in just a moment. But this is such a fun chat from Greta, learning about how she got into the sport, having skis strapped on her feet as a two-year-old, right through to competing on the world stage, the Youth Olympics. She was a flag bearer for Australia in the inaugural Winter Youth Games back in Innsbruck in 2012. So some great stories there and the family connection to the Youth Olympics too. Uh, Another small went on to great things at the Youth Olympics in 2018. So we talk a little bit about that. There's discussions here about meeting Thomas Bach and what he was like. The uh, Super G in Pyeongchang with a certain S Ladeka winning and what that was like as well and you will hear a story about maybe the greatest prize ever won for winning any sporting event in the world it is such a fun story and i know you are going to love it this is a great chat sit back and listen to our chat with two-time olympian greta small Through our guest list on Off the Podium, we've had guests from many different sports across both Summer and Winter Olympics. And it's actually a surprise to me when I went through who we've had on the show that we haven't had somebody from Alpine skiing on since back when we had the legendary Zali Stegel on. But we're about to break that now and get somebody from the great sport of Alpine skiing. She's Australia's premier Alpine skier right now, competed at two Olympics in 2014 and 2018, and is on track to go to 2022 in Beijing. I'm so excited to learn more about her career and how she's tracking ahead of her third Olympic Games. Please welcome to the show Greta Small. Greta, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on Off the Podium today. Thanks, Ben. No, good to good to chat today. It's, it's exciting because I love alpine skiing and it's always baffling to me that I look through the guests and I'm like, yeah, I, I clearly remember interviewing Zali. That was a bit of a starstruck moment for me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, we haven't covered the sport since then. What's wrong with us? Because alpine skiing, Winter Olympics, that's where it's all at, right, isn't it, Greta? Absolutely. Downhill skiing is the blue ribbon event of the Winter Olympics. So, yeah. We've got to tick them all off there, basically. But I love your story about how you got into skiing. I love this idea of you as a two-year-old with a couple of plastic skis strapped onto your to your feet, kind of almost like it was destiny that this is uh, what you were going to uh, take up as as a career. What, what was it? Did your parents just kind of want to put some skis on your feet and go see how this goes? I mean, kind of how do you get some skis on your feet as a two-year-old? <laughs> I think, yeah, at two years old, you, you just sort of snow play and it's just being in the snow and, and it's really your balance and all that kind of thing. I mean, growing my parents were involved in the ski industry up at Mount Hotham. Um, so I was lucky to spend winters a couple of weeks a year up at the lodge up at Mount Hotham and 
yeah, so I learned to ski at a young age and I was taught and skied with both my parents. Um, so that's sort of how it started, but I didn't really consider it as a sport. I did a lot of different sports growing up and a lot of dance and arts and, and various things recreationally. And I never, I didn't actually start skiing until, um, yeah, I went into inter-schools and from year four. And then I picked it up from that really when I first started racing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was pretty, pretty late starting compared to like, yeah, other people in the sport had already been at race club, you know, since I was six years old and stuff. And I didn't pick it up till I was 10, 11 years old um, to sort of give it a go then. So yeah, I just always loved just skiing. What were some of the other sports you mentioned there that you were sort of uh, involved in growing up? Um, I did a fair bit of gymnastics and trampolining, um, school, netball, um, ball sports weren't really my forte. (laughs) I did quite a bit of dance. I did jazz dancing, tap dancing, and I was pretty into music. So I played the violin and the piano. So that was kind of growing up. Yeah, I wasn't. Definitely at school, I wasn't like first picked for sporty teams or anything like that. I, I was, I mean, I was generally average at everything, but I was never like a super standout where they're like, oh, that kid's super athletic. <laughs> She's not going to be a two-time Olympian one day, basically. People were saying that maybe to you in, in some of those sports, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think gymnastics was kind of, I naturally had balance spatial awareness all those kind of things but i just didn't take to it i didn't have a real passion or love for it i guess and you know different sports come with different um social aspects i guess as well at that age you know being different friend groups being really important and i think especially in some of those group sports you you know if you don't have the right friends or the right couple of kids around you to I guess, motivate you. I mean, because at six years old, if your best friend or whatever's not going to play footy or go play the sport you want to do, well, you're not really as motivated to do it. And I guess that never, I was super into different, like I did circus for one, I did circus training for one year and I did gymnastics and trampolining and I was the only sort of kid at my school doing different things like that. Um and then, yeah, I mean, that all helped towards skiing and it was all, about, yeah, I had very good balance and spatial awareness and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, just never had the same the same love and, and passion like I did and I felt like when I was skiing. I, I like the idea of circus performing, like that kind of, uh, I mean, was that, how fun is that to do circus? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that would be boring at all. Oh, well, I was lucky enough. So I went to school in, uh, grew up in Albury and there's a fruit fly um, circus school there. Um, wow. So that was when they first started and I just gave that a go for a little bit. But yeah, then I thought that was a little bit weird. But yeah, no, I can still, <laughs> I, I ride a uni, I can ride a unicycle and juggle and like, climb a rope and, I don't know, do different stuff, yeah. Jeez, uh, I'm seeing Olymp- Olympic Village. You could be just busking out there in sort of the court to really entertain people. Hard day of competing at the Olympics. Look at me, I'm on a unicycle, I'm juggling. Come on, Greta, take these skills to the next level. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be surprised. Um, we had some had some um, international kids come over to our house and they 
randomly they had to stay at our house overnight because the mountain got snowed in up to Hotham one year. And, you know, I had my unicycle sitting in the garage and one of the boys, you know, 25 year old, just like pull, whips it out and starts riding around it in the backyard. So you'd actually be pretty surprised like how many skiers, you know, we do slack lining and we did, I don't know, just all weird, different stuff to basically, yeah, challenge. And I, I think this year, oh, I'm super excited. I got into um, bouldering a little bit this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I knew like some of my friends had done it um, overseas and then I was um, training up at the AIS in Canberra and then got super into Blockhouse up in Canberra when I found out about that. So wow. every, every Friday after training to get into like a, like a – 13th 14th session I'd go for two hours just go bouldering by myself that's so, awesome um, I don't know yeah I, I like different different things like that just to give it a go and, and challenge yourself yeah. yeah as I said ball sports not really my thing that yeah I think I was I got hit in the face with a tennis ball when I was like three four years old so I think that might have mentally scarred, scarred me you for life uh, so I'm more into those weird offbeat. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I just like ment- the mental challenge of like doing a slack line or, or learning a new skill. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's kind of, it's interesting sort of when we, we speak to the guests on the show and sort of hear what sports they were doing when they were younger and kind of how that transitioned into the sport they ultimately go to compete in the Olympics at. It's sort of always that diversity. But, I mean, you mentioned gymnastics and trampolining. The obvious question is, was aerial skiing ever kind of on the cards you could already ski you could sort of do these tricks I mean was that something that you potentially thought about no definitely not I was not at a gymnastics level to do (laughs) I mean of what of what they're doing I mean I'd recreationally skied and that was really where my passion for alpine skiing and downhill skiing started um and with my parents background in in the sport at a club level um that sort of, I guess maybe mogul skiing might have been, could have been all right at mogul skiing. But I, yeah, I just, yeah, my true, I guess when I started racing and that love of just skiing fast and, and putting it all out on the hill sort of took me, yeah. Because it's fascinating with alpine skiing and, and Australia's history with it because I guess on our Winter Olympic history, we, we think about freestyle skiing. We think about snowboarding. They're kind of the, the sports in which we're, we're meddling in. And, and you sort of look outside of that, speed skating, obviously, we've won medals in, and, of course, with Zali's medal in, in Nagano with Alpine. But the fascinating thing I found out about you, Greta, sort of in researching this interview, that you, Australia hadn't had an Alpine skier in, in female Alpine skiing since 2002, when I believe we had six skiers in Salt Lake, and then it took all the way through to Sochi, uh, until obviously yourself uh, and Lavina sort of went out there and competed. So, I mean, and Emily as well, sorry. So it's 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 fascinating to think that there was that 12-year process that kind of took that. I mean, kind of what was the sport like when you were sort of really getting into it then? Was, was, it, was it lacking numbers? Were kind of it was up on the up again? Why was it alpine skiing went that long without a female competitor for Australia at the Olympics? Um. <laughs> I think I so I sort of miss that general. I think a lot of sports, especially sm- small niche sports like Australia, they definitely come in generations. Um, and in terms of like even overseas, you see, you know, year groups, certain year groups, and 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 sort of generations come in come in strength because I mean, 
just sort of when someone's at the top, that sort of helps others come through in that participation level to push the whole group through to a better, to a better level and achieve more. Um, basically, I think the 2012 Olympic team was off the back of Zali's win. So a lot of all that funding um, for that big team that they sent through was all the funding that had come through the nineties um, and still off the back of the Sydney Olympics as well. Um, that was for the 2002 um, and yeah, sports winter sport in Australia was a totally different landscape in 2002 versus now. I mean, all the snowboard and freestyle events didn't even exist um, back then. So that that was where a lot more funding and money was going towards those sports. And then, yeah, with, with Zali's retirement and then in 2002, yeah, that's, we had, we had um, AJ, Jono and, and Craig Branch coming through and they were, you know, they're in top 30 world cup in, in men's Alpine skiing, but yeah, obviously there weren't, there weren't any, any women coming through. Um, and they went to Vancouver through to, to Reno and Vancouver. Um, and that sort of, yeah, when I was, I was growing up, there wasn't any top female skiers at, at that level to look up to, but I mean, they still had really strong development teams and they did have strong, um, yeah, you know, they had the AJ, Jono and, and, and Craig at, at the top level t that were on, um, the Olympic winter Institute and, and were at the top skiing on world cup. So I remember going to World Cup and seeing those guys um, raced. So I think it was still that representation on World Cup then. And then once they, you know, retired after Vancouver, there was sort of a gap there. Um, yeah, till, till the Aussies got back on the World Cup. So. When you started taking it up sort of more seriously and, and, and making teams going to competitions and everything, was the Olympics sort of that end goal? I mean, had you always harboured an ambition as an athlete growing up to get to an Olympics or did this sort of only become a realisation when you did start going to World Cups and events that, hey, I could make an Olympic team based on how I'm going right now? Good question. I think growing up when I got into the sport and the first season I went over um, to Europe, and what went to my first World Cups in in person, like just as a spectator, because I guess for for your info and like for people that don't follow alpine skiing in Europe, we rock up to a World Cup and there's between twenty and fifty thousand spectators. Wow. It's basically wow. like a massive festival. There's beer tents, beer sponsors. Half the crowd's drunk at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> it's a big vibe. Like the Euros, like the Euro. Central Europeans, the Swiss, the Austrians, they do ski racing like nobody else does. I mean, it's their, it's their winter footy, you know, everyone will go from the city or catch the train and go, go to the um, skiing for the weekend. That's, that's sort of the equivalent. So um, I guess once I, yeah, once I'd seen all the world cup as a kid, I was like, wow, I want to, I want to be racing here. I want to be like, a, <laughs> these guys are rock stars in Europe. So um, that's sort of, I think my passion started watching world cup and my ultimate goal from when I was 12 years old was always to win a crystal globe. Mm. It's actually the best. So at the end of a world cup season, the best skier over the whole season 
wins one of the best looking sport. sports trophies in the world. That is an amazing looking sports trophy. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's literally Svagoski crystal glo- and it's literally a world globe. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So as a 12 year old kid looking at that trophy, I was like, I want to, I want to get that one day. So, <laughs> and that meant that wasn't just to be the best at one event. That was, I had to be good for the whole season, like not just a one-off race. Um, and for the Olympics, my passion for the Olympics really started back in 2011 um, for selection for the 2012 Youth Olympics. So, I, yeah, I mean, Olympics was sort of, oh, it would be nice to go, but I didn't really understand the concept and sort of the values that the Olympics have until I went to the Youth Olympics in 2012. Which you're actually our only second guest to have gone to a Youth Olympics and actually our first Winter Youth Olympic uh, guest, which I'm fascinated by the Youth Olympics because I I love the Youth Olympics. I think they're a great idea and and they're always exciting to watch. And and you were were the flag bearer. You were Australia's first ever Youth Olympic Winter flag bearer, which in itself an honour. But, I mean, what does that help? How much did that help you sort of, as you're saying there, understand not only the Olympic values and everything, but I guess prepare you for a a full, a senior Olympics, which you went to only two years later. I mean, I can imagine that is a, a big help to kind of give you a taste of that before you then go to Sochi two years later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was that was sort of after basically, you know, when I was at Youth Olympics, I was like, in two years' time, I'm going to be in Russia. I'm going to be in Sochi um, for the Olympics. So that was like... Um, I, I remember myself and Lucy Glanville, one of the biathlon athletes that I roomed with at Youth Olympics, on the last day I was like, we made a promise. I was like, we're both going to be in Sochi Olympics competing and then we were. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I think it, there's, there's a big um, cultural and learning education aspect at the Youth Olympics that you don't get at a Senior Olympics. And there's all these activities and that's how you get to meet people. And you, you can imagine um, 14 to 18 year olds, a few thousand 14 to 18 year olds getting together. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And, and just that energy is, is, is really cool. And that's sort of, yeah, getting nominated as the flag bearer um, from Elisa Kaplan was such an honor. And yeah, I, I think, all the other aspects at the Youth Olympics, I, I was really excited with, and it was cool. And and I was, but I was quite disappointed with my competition. Um, even now, I like reflect back, and I'm like, oh, it still hurts a little bit. Because <laughs> um, I, I went in ranked um, second in the world in the Super G, and um, yeah, had a had a mistake and ended up in seventh on that run, even though, uh, yeah, I was in first place until halfway. Um, wow. So that, yeah, that's still that. Yep. Ski racing. Shouldn't have brought it up. We shouldn't bring up the youth Olympics. We'll Move miss past it. Sometimes, <laughs> but you live and you learn and, you know, so yeah, Sochi was big experience to, to be only a handful of athletes that went to the first ever winter youth Olympics. And then two years later, go on to Sochi was, was really cool. Um, so yeah, after that, I became a winter ambassador for the Youth Olympics for the IOC. So that was really cool um, to have some opportunities um, in the Olympic movement to meet the president, Thomas Bach, in, in Sochi, 
and then um, again an opportunity to go to the Youth Olympics in Lillehama and then the summers in Buenos Aires was really awesome. Which just quickly on that, it's a family tradition, the Youth Olympics, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> your, your cousin Keely carried the flag and went on to win a gold there too. So, I mean, this is like the, the small family tradition of the, the Youth Olympics. Let's carry the flag, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was so proud of Keely to, to get over there and to see her, see her do that in person was, was awesome. I need to ask quickly, how is Thomas when you when you meet him? We, we, we love Thomas on this show because, um, first of all, we always need to mention that Olympic champion fencing, he always has to have that name, you know, announced every time he walks into a room, I feel. And also, he likes to talk and he t- I, st- I still think his speech is finishing up from Tokyo. So, does it, d- do, you, do you get a word in with Thomas when you try and have a bit of a chat with him? Uh, well, I've only met him the – I've met him twice um, and then once in a formal – formal setting um yeah at the sochi olympics and then the second time in pyeongchang he just like rocks up at the dining hall and starts walking around and then some athletes like come up to him so i was one of those athletes to run up to him and like well pre-covid shake his hand and (laughs) and say hey because i was like um so yeah i guess um yeah i don't know i like putting myself out there and 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 yeah i guess yeah, rep, I'm I'm proud to represent skiing in Australia as an Australian Olympian and and all that 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 means. The one thing I love hearing from particular winter athletes because I mean, look, I always say Greta that winter Olympics are the real Olympics. Let's be honest. Um, and these are some amazing sports, and just that that vibe and that adrenaline you're feeling. Can you take us through the feeling of a downhill? Because you're obviously pulling some incredible speeds. You're doing some amazing things. It is one of the most incredible events you will watch at either Summer or Winter Olympics. But what is that feeling like from top to bottom when you're doing an Olympic downhill? Well, <laughs> um, I think it depends on the course. I mean, the course in Sochi and and in Pyeongchang was so different. Um, I really enjoyed the course in, in Pyeongchang. Um, but I mean, there's some, I mean, it's just, there's some gnarly sections. I mean, at the start in Pyeongchang, if you've seen any of the footage from that, they called it like the devil's spine and it's literally like off camber. It, so if, yeah, people, you can't put a grooming cat on it. It's that steep and off terrain. So it's just essentially side slipped and it's bumpy and it's, yeah, it's insane. Like, I don't know how my ski didn't pop off on that when you see the slow-mo and then there's about five, seven jumps in there. Um, Pyeongchang was relatively a slow. We were only going 110, averaging 100, 105 Ks an hour to 110 um, versus like some other races. So world champs this year, we reached speeds of 130 on a shoot. So that's insane. I, I stepped on skis once. It lasted five seconds. I'm like this isn't for me. I cannot imagine doing 130 kilometers. I don't even know if I do 130 kilometers in my car, Greta. Like that—that's absolutely insane. <laughs> well, legally you can't in Australia. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I say that on air. You know, just kind of uh, to, to to clarify that. But I mean, when you get started in the sport, uh, I mean, was this? You're obviously not imagining doing 130 kilometers an hour. It's like a ten-year-old. But uh, I mean, when you sort of build yourself up to those speeds, that's obviously a, a key aspect of the sport is to kind of work on that speed mix with the technique and kind of and and hit those moments i mean do you remember sort of the first time you're, you're pulling over 100k and kind of the feeling the adrenaline everything going through your body 
Yeah, I mean, it's not so much learning to, to do with the speeds. It's it's just one informational skill, um, you know, the whole time. Like even now I'm back to basics and it's, and it's all about working on that foundational skiing skills primarily, um, which is through GS and slalom. So that's what we primarily train. And then um, once you turn fist, so there's some children's super G, so under 16s, they have um, super G courses. And I always loved, yeah, doing since under 14s, I loved doing the super G. That was my first international race I won overseas. I went to Andorra and I won a race called Trophy Barufa and I won um, a massive, I won 10,000 Chubba Chubbs. Wow, 10,000 Chubba Chubbs. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, That's, um... so I won, I, won um, I think it was about 25 kilos of Chubba Chubbs. <laughs> That, that's be- come on that's better than the crystal globe you, you can't top that that's that's an insane that's an insane prize that's amazing yeah i think i still have some expired chubba chubs to this day <laughs> i was gonna say i'd be a bit worried if you went through ten thousand. Ch- i mean i imagine your friends are getting chubba chubs for christmas that year uh birthdays like mother's day father's day everyone gets chubba chubs <laughs> well, basically at the race so there's like two drums um two and a like like a 12 or 13 kilo drum of chub chubs and I had two and the one <laughs> drum my parents were like because we we had this tiny um car in Europe that we'd driven from Austria down to Andorra um so for people that don't know Andorra is a tiny country in the French Pyrenees between Spain and France so it was about a 21 22 car hour car trip and um so we were packed with gunnels, like skis for like, cause I was racing all week. We had all the skis, my parents, and they're like, there's no way you're bringing to like a 25 kilos of Chubba Chubbs home. <laughs> so they're like, you have to give away one drum. So I literally did one of those crowd ones where you're just like throwing <laughs> into the crowd, like and all the kids from the whole race are just like, they all grabbing, it's like throwing money into the crowd. Um, wow. so I did one of those. So that was, that was pretty cool. That was a big highlight. And then, um, I was like, no, I'm going to eat them. But, you know, so I kept <laughs> one drum and, um, and then I got back to my, um, base in Austria and my parents were like, well, you can't eat, you can't eat like 2000 chub chubs. So you've got to like give some away. So I had to give a thousand away and they're like, you can keep a thousand. You can that keep a thousand. Um, wow. So then I was like at the time, and then every time we'd go on a car trip, I'd be sucking on a chub chub. But then after, <laughs> like, I don't know, after a couple of years, you're like, oh, I never want to look at another chub chub. <laughs> you go through all the good flavors, and then you're only stuck with the shitty, like, orange ones and stuff. Yep, yep. And you're like, oh. Wow. Jeez. First of all, didn't know, is, is just Andorra the home of Chupa Chups? Is this just a thing they love? I mean, is that why people should go to Andorra to go for Chupa Chups? Um, no, they sponsored the race. Wow. By, I, basically, I think they gave the prizes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, to Chupa Chups, was made in Spain um, near oh, Andorra. And, okay. yeah, they, they had sponsored the kids' race. Jeez. And I mean, second to that, I, I can't imagine when you get into skiing, you got these, you know, ambitions for Crystal Globe, maybe an Olympic medal. That, yeah, third on that list now, kids can achieve is hey, you know, ten thousand chopper chops. That's that's a pretty good result. Oh to- <laughs> no, there's a there's one race that's still in the kids in that under under fourteens. 
there's a race in France um, with international. So it's basically like in the kids under 14s, you're not in the open category. So there's about 10 races in the calendar that are all the top international national teams will go to. Um, and then I was one of the only handful of Australians that, that would go overseas to Europe and do them. And there's this race in France I went to every year and you'd win your own weight in lollies. Holy crap. So you literally, <laughs> like, think of a wooden scale. You would, the kids would sit on it with their <laughs> ski boots and skis to make it heavier. And these guys would just put boxes and boxes and boxes of lollies on the other side until the scale evened out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the aspect that there's just this thing now in Europe I'm picturing where it's just like, hey, let's get the young skiers fatter by giving them all the sugar. Uh, there's candy, there's chupa chups, like let's load them up. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> yeah, and then once again, guess what Greta came in that race? That was the one race as, as, an, as a 12, 13-year-old I wanted to win and I came second. Oh, <laughs> so no. I so oh. the chupa chups are still... But now, yeah, so then once again, the kids would throw throw them into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I think next time, time you bump into Thomas at the village, you know, hey, Thomas, I've got an idea for uh, Milan 2026 for, you know, incentive for, for our skiers to win. Not that they need an extra incentive to win an Olympic gold medal, but, hey, body weight in candy, uh, 10,000 chopper chups. Like, you, you want to appeal to the kids for the Olympic movement? Here it is. That's That's what you do. Yeah, I don't know how, how that would go over. But, I mean, look, McDonald's was a long sponsor, so. Yeah, yeah. sadly no longer. We've heard a lot from our Tokyo athletes that are unfortunately not in the village anymore. So um, that's a that's a bit of a shame. If First Olympics look, is watching. Look, it won't be a big change to us because we were always in the mountain village and they'd only put Maccas down at the ice park. So we only got to try Maccas once. So it won't be a big change for us. Won't for be, you're used to it. All the ice athletes are complaining now and you're like, hey, welcome yeah. to the skiers world. Come on now. This is uh, this is what we're used to. In in Sochi, you, you went on to compete in all five of the events. How how grueling is it when you come to a major competition when you've got to compete in five? Because, you know, we look at summer sports, you know, swimming, athletics, not so much athletics anymore, but obviously swimming, you know, multiple events. But when it comes to alpine skiing, you know, is it – is it a grueling schedule to be able to have to do a slalom and then back it up with the giant slalom and then Super G and all those sort of events too? Or do you just get used to it because that's what you're doing on the world stage constantly? Um, no, it's pretty tiring. I mean, over 10 days you're racing five times. Um, so it's essentially race, day off, race, day off, race. And, um, you know, they're all different skis, all different events and – yeah, to pick yourself up. I mean, ski racing basically goes, you know, all day. So you could be out, you know, waking up at 5.30, out on the hill at, at 7 for a course inspection or something. And in skiing, there's a lot of hurry up and wait where you've got to do inspection, you've got to warm up, you've got to do all these things and then they've got to prep the course. So then you've got to sit in the hospitality tent for two hours or the weather like, the weather plays up and then, you know, you're doing and you're just sitting there and waiting for the weather to clear and in Sochi it rained a lot so we're waiting for the fog and the rain to go. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty – by the time I got to the slalom, I was mentally and physically done because as a 
18 year old, you know, I, that was the first, that was a big program for me. So. Do you go into an event like an Olympics and set yourself finishing goals? Like I want to be top 20, top 30. Is it about time? Is it about finishing? I mean, kind of what sort of goals did you set yourself going into Sochi? Yep. So going into Sochi, I wanted to get a top 30. That was my goal. Um, Cause yeah, in ski racing, it's all about, yeah, the top 30s, top 15s, top 10s, top fives, podium, that kind of thing. Um, Cause the, the way the point system works. Um, so yeah, going in at 18 with my world ranking and um, having been in the what my first big international meet the year before at my first world championships going in, I wanted to be top 30 and on the plane over, I was like, no, I reckon I could be top 15 if I put it out there. So <laughs> and that's what I did. I put it out there in the, in the combined and, and got 15th. Um, so that was, yeah, pretty incredible to, to do that at, at, at 18. So yeah, pretty proud of that, of that race. Do you have a preference, Greta, like of, of the five? Is there one that you're like, okay, this is this is my event. This is the one that uh, I, I like and this is the one that maybe I, I train the most to go for those top 15s? Um, yeah, so now, so since I had a number of knee injuries, I've, I'm just doing three events now. So in Pyeongchang um, I'm, and, and continuing since Pyeongchang just to do the, the three-speed events. So I'm focused on the downhill Super G and Alpine combined events on the World Cup and and for the, this coming Olympics in Beijing. Now, speaking of Pyeongchang in the downhill, 20th, uh, the highest place ever for, for an Australian female skier in that event. I mean, that was that sort of something that you'd set the goal going on the top 20? And what's it like to sort of get 20th in Olympics and, and hold that distinction from from Australian skiing standpoint? And one place off Steve's Lee's. <laughs> he got like, his best ever 19th. I was, um, when I crossed the finish line, I came down in um, 18th. And there were um, oh, seven skiers to come that were better ranked than me um, because it's a random it's a random draw within rankings. So on my number, there were still seven more skiers that were better ranked than me um, to come. And then two of them got me. So I moved down to 20th and I was like, oh, but I was still, I was to hold on to that top, top 20 was really incredible after the year that I'd had to get there. I think I was, I was like a kid at Christmas in Sochi, you know, I was just soaking it up and I was so grateful to be there and like enjoying the Olympics. And I, I couldn't sleep the first two nights in the village. I think I hardly slept cause I was like sitting in my bed, sweating, like looking at all my uniform and just like <laughs> so excited to just be there. Um, and in Korea, I think I really was so much more grateful to be there and, and, you know, to be at my second Olympics and, and all the hard work and everything that went in to, to get to that second games, um, you know, it'd been a yeah, big, big four years to be there and, and even 12 months to be there. So I, yeah, was a lot more grateful. And then to come away with a performance like that, that was uh, my best ever speed performance after, after not even skiing um, speed events for two years was pretty incredible. 
The one I have to ask, I would be a failed off the podium host if I didn't ask about this, given uh, our fanboy nature for a certain Esther Ledecker. What was it like being in that event uh, to see Esther win the Super G? I mean, one of my favourite Olympic moments of all time is, is just that race was incredible. I mean, gosh, that was that a surprise? Like, were you expecting Esther to do that? I mean, that must have been incredible to be witnessing that. I didn't know you were a bit of an Esther fanboy. Oh, That's we're, we're, we're big Esther fanboys on this show. Don't even get us started on our Esther fandom here. Really? So, oh, yeah. do, you need, do you need an introduction? Do you need me to... Slide Look, into the DMs for Greta, you, or if you can help, like I, I just we we have contacted her management and we haven't gotten a no. We've gotten a touch base at this point of the year, but if you can if you can put in a good word, we um okay we, yeah so yeah no Est is awesome. I mean, I've done a, a bit of training, a couple of days of training with her over the years, um overseas, and her team and everyone, you know, they're so down to earth, and you know, her parents. I mean, even her dad's a pop star, rock star in Czechoslovakia. Of course she is. And, of course she is. Yeah, I mean, that makes no, sense. <laughs> like the whole family is like, like Czechoslovakia pop star royalty. Um, <laughs> and, no, but they're so lovely and down to earth. And, um, you know, es- Esther had such a great team around her. I mean, she had two coaches, a physio, a tech, um, and her manager um, with her for two years to – to get to that point. So it wasn't a sudden thing that, I mean, it, she definitely shocked the world because she hadn't been on the podium before. But I mean, if anyone in ski racing, if you'd been watching the training runs and what had been happening all season, I mean, she'd, she'd been winning training runs in downhill um, leading up to the Olympics in Lake Louise um, and St. Moritz and that, but she just hadn't put it down and got it together in a race. I mean, so much in ski racing is confidence and, you know, it is working on the courses and and basically all the things coming together for you on the day, like, you know, your skis, your wax, you're mentally there, you're physically there, um, as well as, you know, your line, you know, one turn you do wrong and, and you're gone from first to 20th or something, so it's such a fine line and, and when the competition is so stiff, but no, she'd, she'd been skiing well all year and she just hadn't put it together in a race. And I think the Olympics definitely brings out, it puts pressures on the stars to perform on one day and brings out an opportunity for anyone to take the top step. One of the best quotes I ever heard at an Olympic games was Lindsay Vaughn's quote when she said, I got beaten by a freaking snowboarder. So, um, yeah, when you get when you get that quote, um, that sums up that event pretty well. So, <laughs> absolutely insane. But yes, no, please, you know, pa- pass on the good words. You had an amazing interview with this with this Australian guy, and, and Esther Ledecker is treated like a queen on this podcast. So, uh, uh, Beijing, yeah. obviously, a couple of months away. How how are you tracking? You've obviously had a few injuries since Pyeongchang. Um, but how, how are you feeling right now, Greta, and kind of what's the process now between now and, I guess, getting that ticket to your third Olympics next year? Um, yeah, so, no, I'm feeling really physically fit and, and ready to go. So I'm just working on my foundational skiing skills at the moment um, while in Oz and then so I can get over to Europe and and really hit up the next gear in, in training and in the gates. And I think a lot of people don't realize a lot of my off season training, you know, I'm not just hitting gates and running gates all the time. You're working on your foundational skiing skills. 
um, and those basics because that's what's going to get you faster and get me to the next level. Um, so no, I mean, yeah, to come back to world champs in like, um, this, I was like last year, this year, 2021, <laughs> too much has happened. Who um, knows what year it is anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I think since, since about, what was it? December, January, 2019, 2020, January, 2020 to now is just like blurred into the one year. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. So no, coming back from my injury in 2019, um, that was a big sort of, I was like, no, I still, I still want to keep going. I'm not done with the sport. I, I still have a lot more to achieve and, and give. So yeah, I pushed really hard physically to come back and I'm skiing hundred percent pain free, which I'm really happy about. And so, yeah, I'm feeling really good and on my skis. So yeah, just taking each training day and doing what I can to get, to get to this season and, and show what I can and, and perform perform well because I haven't had too many years in the last four years where I haven't have you know been coming back from from serious injuries so and in terms of between now and Beijing uh, I'm guessing you'll you'll hit Europe do the do the season and then does it come down to to rankings points sort of how do you book that ticket to Beijing um so based on my performance at world championships this season um I've, I've got, I'm sitting in a good spot with my world ranking. Um, so that was part of coming back from injury and getting over to Europe, even in COVID, um, you know, that was a big goal to go to the 2021 world championships in Cortina, which was my fourth world championships. Um, so with that, um, I, 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 I'm pretty, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident um, in terms of selection and it's, just preparing with how I want to perform in, in the coming World Cups this season to get me in a good position um, to perform in Beijing. 15th, I believe, in the combined as well at the World Champs earlier this year. So you're getting higher and higher there, Greta. Peaking, you're talking about peaking at the right time. Beijing, that top 10, it's calling your name right now. Bugger it, a medal's calling your name, Greta. Come on. Yeah, I was like, come on, top 10. I was like, yeah. mate, you're going for a win here. <laughs> Gold medal. Uh, you know, you've got to, it's, been a, it's been too long. 1998 without an Alpine medal for Australia. Come on, we've, we've got to break this duck, bring home a medal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be still skiing if I didn't believe. I think, what was it, at watching the Tokyo Olympics a couple of weeks ago, I was so inspired I could hardly do anything I was watching so much tv I think my eyes were hurting I've never watched so much tv in my life in a row um oh what did that um Rowan Browning was like pretty he was like no mate we're going for better than this he's like we're you know we're going we're going for records here so I think you know his (laughs) attitude and like you you just gotta you know you if you can't believe in yourself and what what you're capable of and I think, yeah, I've worked really hard mentally as well. Um, yeah, I think that's such a big part of alpine skiing as well because when it comes down to it, it's, you know, it's at the speeds we're going and the turns you're doing it, yeah, a lot mentally, you know, 40% technical and physical and 60% mental, so. It's, it, as I said before, just one of the best sports to be able to watch at any Olympics and really looking forward to seeing it. Now, uh, Greta, we, we close off every interview with a series of fun questions, so I'll get to in just a sec. Two quick things, though. 
First one, uh, reading your bio on the Australian Winter Institute website, something really stood out for me here, that you enjoy watching both ice hockey and Formula One. Now, I feel we could fill up another hour's worth of content talking about these two sports. So I need to know, who's your NHL team and who's your favourite driver? Oh, I don't really have an NHL team because I've been to a few of the European league games. Right. So I watched the local um, in Austria, the Innsbruck um, ice hockey. So I've been to some of their matches and that's how I sort of got into it. So I first had a um, strength and conditioning coach in Austria and he was also the coach for the ice hockey team. Wow. Um, so I used to go to some of the games and Who's stuff. Who's the team so- there then? Who's the local team that we'd be cheering on there in Innsbruck? Innsbruck. <laughs> that's literally uh, simple. That's simple. Okay. That's done. Get, ask a dumb question. Get no, a get a standard answer. Yep. <laughs> the Innsbruck Sharks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um. So that's sort of how I got into it. And then every year when we go over to Canada, if you can hook me up with some NHL tickets in Calgary, I mean, please. Oh well, you said Calgary. You gave the right answer. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll find some connections because I'm a Flames fan. So yes. Okay. That, that, good. Yeah, there we we'll, go. We'll, we'll hook no, you up. I've, <laughs> okay, awesome. That would be a dream. And that's at the Olympics. Everyone's like, what sport do you get to go to? I went to gold medal match, hockey match in Pyeongchang with wow. um, Russia versus um, the USA. Germany. So that was, I was at the, was the, the, yeah, it was Germany because that went to extra time. Because look, we're, we're a co Canadian Australian podcast. And trust me, I don't think our Canadian co host has uh, forgotten Germany beating them in the semi finals in 2018. So, oh, ah, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> well, all I just remember is the Russians. And that was, yeah, insane. It was an awesome, I just, I don't know that in terms of team sports, I, I just get behind ice hockey. It's, oh, it's so much better than football. Come on. Yeah. And it's not a ball sport. You mentioned the balls before. No balls. It's a puck. No, so. no. but it, it's just people don't understand the skill involved, like mm. the, the, the fundamental ice skating skills you have to have. And then the gear you're wearing. And then literally it's like a rugby punch up in there with only five guys skating around it's essentially rugby on ice um but but then to have the skating skills and that that skill aspect really yeah i just love it love watching it insane yeah and do you have do you have a favorite driver in f1 oh come on dan ricardo i I was expecting the obvious but i wanted to just check (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no i i um I've seen a few on TV, but the ultimate retirement dream, I'd love to go to Monaco one day and, oh, and watch it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you were not being in Austria, I, I don't know sort of how far away you are from the Red Bull ring. They, they you know, kind of have a race there every year. So, I've driven um, past it, but I'm never there in summer. So Right, okay. We, we had Ash Werner on several weeks back and she talked up her fandom for, for Dan Ricciardo and we were trying to see if we could get a swap organised where we could get Dan in a bobsled and Ash in a Formula 1 car. So maybe we can do it two for skiing. Like get Dan on some skis and you can get in a McLaren. So, you know. We'll, no. We'll... <laughs> Look, I think Ash, is, Ash has got a lot more pull. I think that's like a real, a, a doable thing. Like why has that not happened already? Yeah. I think that's. You know, they Dan and Ash need to need to do a spot. I mean, look, everyone needs to call Scotty James and get Dan to to, yes. to go. Yes, he's um, with Lance Stroll's sister, so there's a connection there. Yeah, exactly. No, so. they, they, they're mate, they're Red Bull mates. They go way back before Chloe. Wow. Okay. Was well, that how he met Chloe through the Red Bull? Like, is that just kind of the six degrees of separation? Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. So the things yeah. I'm learning on this episode, Esla Decker's dad's a pop star. This is going back to that. I actually, I, you want to know my random fandom of Formula One? I own a Lance Stroll t-shirt. I'm probably the only Lance Stroll fan in Australia. So, you know, there's all these weird connections going look, on here. So Look, look well, Scotty, Scotty's family's got to be a Lance Stroll supporter now. So Well, they, well true. Yeah, exactly. He's. I'm sure he's got a couple of t-shirts. Aston Martin sort of, you know, owning a few things there. The other thing too that I'm trying to get – for our winter guests here in the lead up to Beijing, you're going to get a lot of great coverage by Channel 7. They're going to be doing some fun little interviews with you, no doubt, or they already have, if maybe they have. But we're trying to get you each to put in a word, like like a, a, a code word that you can put in there. And I think your code word should be chuppa chup. If you can fit the words chuppa chup into your interview with Channel 7, my Mel McLaughlin, whoever it is, will be watching going, there's Greta's code to off the podium. She's done it. <laughs> chuppa chup. You can fit it in there. That's pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> tell, tell about yeah. your win. 10,000 chopper chops. Boom. There it is. Simple. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we see what we can do in Beijing. Yes. Yes. I like it. Good. Uh, we close it off, Greta, as I said, with a series of fun uh, sort of get to know you style questions. As we always say before these, these are based off a questionnaire that Team Canada put to their athletes ahead of both Pyeongchang and Rio. There is always a drawing element to it. If you do want to do extra homework, Ash did a couple of drawings. So, uh, you know, if you, however your artistic skills, stick figures are acceptable, but don't feel obligated. You're busy. You're training for an Olympics. We understand. Um, first question I have for you, your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Whoa. I think my first... Favourite ever Olympic moment, I wanted to be Nikki Webster in Sydney 2000. <laughs> yes. Oh, brilliant. I love that answer. We always bring up Nikki when we can, and you're the first ever answer wanting to be Nikki Webster. That that yeah. I feel we should retire that question right now. That's the best answer there. That is the That's best answer. That's how I answer. wanted to be a dancer. That's how I started going to dance classes because I, I went to the Sydney Olympics and I wanted to be Nikki Webster. Oh, gosh. Uh, that is amazing. Seriously, everyone should want to be Nikki Webster. And if she's not at the opening ceremony of Brisbane 2032, just don't even bother holding the rest of the Olympics. Come on. <laughs> no, I think what someone and I said, um, get her, her daughter should be out there. Yeah, family tradition, you know. <laughs> and then you'll find some weird connection that like some family member was in the opening ceremony of Melbourne and it's kind of just this, you know, whole uh, family tradition of the Websters. Best answer ever for that one. Um, if you could have... Any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Hmm. Yes. Makes it easier just straight to Europe, not on a plane, don't have to wear a mask for like 24 hours. <laughs> mask? No, mask wearing's fine. I just, the hotel quarantine, the jet lag, yeah. the, oh, I forgot something in Europe. I'll go, go back and get it. Yep, yeah, yep. Simple. You chubba chups, and then you don't have to pay the uh, you know the, the weight limit on on the chubba chups. Basically, um, your favorite ever sports movie is. Oh, oh. We asked a tough one. Oh, favourite <laughs> sports movie. Mm. Oh. oh, I, I like <laughs> can see it in my mind. 
Explain it. Explain it. What is it? What's it about? What sport? I I can see it in my mind, but I'm blanking on like the actual name. It's the... it's the one with the guy who, oh, it's it's a really good movie. It like I cried, I, my eyes out. Um, <laughs> he he's he's a runner from America, and he's trying to he's trying to make the um, Olympics, and the Olympics gets postponed, and he ends up going to World War Two, and he ends up in the Japanese concentration camp, and then oh. he comes back, all the and he survives, and all his other friends die, and then. He makes it yeah. back the um, torchbearer at the at the, the other. It's yeah, like I, I do no know what you're talking way. about. Oh, you do? Have you seen it? I haven't, but I like I know the movie. Um, oh, it's and really I'm blanking good. too. Yeah, I, um, I cried, and oh, oh, Angelina Jolie directed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, well, look. I tell you what. Rather than uh, living in this, because this is going to haunt you for like the rest of the day, let's just let's just quickly jump on and see what we can find okay. here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do it What's quickly. Oh, you're looking. Yeah, I'm looking for you because I don't want you to like have the rest of your day going. What is that movie? What is that movie? So let's see here. Um. um. um no, that's not that one. She's actually directed a few films as Angelina. That's good. I didn't Unbroken. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. There it is. Okay. Perfect. Unbroken. Yep. Good. Go see it. Grit. Okay. I, Determination. I will. The will to live. Yep. That's downhill. Boom. Done it. Love it. And I always like to ask, like, sort of, uh, you know, in terms of are there, are there prominent movies based on your sport? I mean, I'm just thinking of all the James Bond movies where freaking James Bond was skiing. I mean, you don't, you don't need a whole movie when you've got James Bond skiing in every second film, right? Oh, no. What is it? The Fire, Ice and Dynamite or the um, Bogner, the, the spoof films, they've got, pretty, they've got some good skis in that. I think good. Steve Lee did a did the was had a cameo in the fire fire ice and dynamite. Wow. Steve can do everything. Jeez. That's um okay. I need to look these up more so potentially. Um what is your funniest childhood memory? Oh there's a few. Like what what direction of funny are we going? You 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 decide. Like if you want to have like just uh piss your pants funny, inappropriate <laughs> funny. I don't know. Like it's there's the, the my mind is boggling right now oh. in terms of where you're going to go with this. Childhood funny. Oh. Near death experiences first day for 12 years old first day and on a glacier in October, hardly any snow around. I'm mid-station of a gondola, lean on my poles. Poles drop straight through the um, grid <laughs> down the cliff. And Dad's like, well, either 200 euros are out of your pocket money um, that you're going to have to save up or you go and get them. So what, what does... Twelve-year-old Greta do she free climbs down this cliff to go get her balls. <laughs> Which yeah, two hundred euro versus that. Yeah, okay, I like that. That works. Um, did you get them though? Did you successfully of get them? Okay, of course. Good. All right. That's that's a, that's a good happy ending to that story. What is your favourite pump-up song? Oh, there's a few. You can't. Oh. I don't know. It depends on the mood. Like, are you vibing like, I don't know, like a bit of rap, love a bit of Eminem, Kanye, or then on the flip side, I'll, I'll go straight from, 
from a Eminem song to a bit of Vance Joy. So nice, yeah. nice. No strawberry kisses on that playlist. Hasn't stuck with you for twenty one no, years. I mean, look, that was my first album um, <laughs> as a six year old. But no, I've 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 moved on beyond that. But I mean, strawberry kisses still goes hard. So yeah, exactly. It's a song that always keeps on giving, right? Like you know, it sort of people bagged it out at first, but then it's now it's it's the twenty year rule. A song becomes cool after twenty years. Um, what is the most recent TV show that you binge watched? Oh, embarrassing or not embarrassing? Go for embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing. Um, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Yep, okay. That was the embarrassing one. And then probably my favourite of this year was I went through all season we watched um, Homeland. Ah, yes. Great show. That's actually – and did you like the ending of it? I thought the ending of Homeland was fantastic. Oh, I was like really annoyed at the beginning. I was like, oh, like, oh, um, my dad and I binge watched that together. And then the last, what was it? Two minutes of the last episode, they, they wrapped it up with a little yeah. bow. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those few ones where I thought like, okay, I'm satisfied with that. That, that, that's yeah. a no, good way it of, sort was, of ending it. Good. But that, yeah. I mean, my heart still, still, still breaks for, um, for the death of, um, Brody. No, ew, no, no. You don't like Brody? I like no, Brody. No, oh. ew, no, 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 no. I was all about um. Oh, what the team? Am I? I'm. I'm not going well under the. I'm testing record. you. I'm really doing um, this hard for you. Uh, did you know that? Oh. It's been about a year since yeah, I've seen. So like, I could. Yeah. Uh, is it, is oh. it the young guy that died? The, the he was he was like a mainstay character. Yeah, and, and he yep. was he. I was rooting for him all the way until he died saving the president. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. I know he exactly. Quinn. Who Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Quinn. I loved yep, Quinn. Yep, yep. Quinn was yep. my guy. That, oh, when he Quinn. died in Homeland. I was like, do I even keep watching? <laughs> I felt that way a few seasons after Brody died. I'm like, mm, where are they no, going with this show? But I stuck with annoyed, it. So. He annoyed me from the beginning. I was like, oh. nah. And I then, watched um yeah. I watched him in another show. I think that's what led me to Homeland because he was in a show called Life, which it only lasted like a season or two. It was like a quirky cop drama. Really, really good. But um it was good. And plus it was co created by the guys that did twenty four and I was obsessed with twenty four. So, you know, you gotta Oh yeah, twenty four, yeah. As Jack a kid Bauer. we watched all the oh Jack Bauer, all the twenty four and that's what led me to Homeland. See, straight yep. from 24 into Homeland. Straight into it. It's almost like the more realistic 24 Homeland, isn't it? Kind of like 24 got a bit I mean, silly towards the I end. I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, Homeland. I mean, Homeland was based on a book, and the book yeah. ain't far from the truth. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And Claire Danes, gosh, can we just mention how amazing she is? Um, your, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Um. A pop star, but a I can't star. sing. So, <laughs> well, neither can some of the pop stars out there, Greta. There's okay. technology for that, so uh, you never know. Just talk to Esther; she's got connections, apparently. Yeah. Um, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? I love a bit of mogul skiing. Probably, I, I mean, I, I can realistically see myself if I wasn't an alpine skier, could have done mogul skiing. Um, summer sports. My summer sport crossover, I reckon I could have done a bit of rugby sevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
rugby sevens, that kind of. It's a ball it's, though, Greta. You don't like balls, so. You know. I know, but I've 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 got that I've got the I've, yeah track cycling or or rugby sevens track cycling or rugby sevens okay yeah. I I see that but I mean bouldering now like sports climbing's at the Olympics so you could work on that yeah but I'm not very good all my weights in my lower half so <laughs> plenty of time plenty of time to uh Brisbane 2032 I'm seeing that uh Greta before we let you go uh social media where can people follow your your journey sort of stay stay up to date with what you're doing between now and and Beijing. Yep. So Instagram, Greta Small 16, Facebook, Greta Small. Um, and then I also on Twitter, Greta Small 16, but I don't tweet. You don't tweet. Well, no. we can still follow you. Well, and, and Instagram, just... Instagram, Facebook's my go-to. Go for it there. Greta, I have to say this has been a lot of fun. Seriously, we really appreciate your time from everything from Chubba Chups to Nikki Webster to getting a good word in with Esther. We're, we're very satisfied on the show today. But best of luck in the upcoming season. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you with that medal around your neck after Beijing and then coming back on the show and uh, sharing uh, what it's like to wear a medal versus winning 10,000 Chubba Chups. Awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Amazing chat from Greta, and we obviously thank her so much for her time. There's so much to unpack with that. Essa Ledecker's dad is a pop star. Of course he is. Of course he is. And I thought eating one chupa chup could be a struggle at some times. 10,000 of them, maybe a little bit different, but uh, definitely keeping an eye out for those Channel 7 interviews now to see if uh, Greta can fit the words chupa chup in there when speaking to them. So, uh, Wow, what a chat. Great chat, Greta. Thank you so much for your time. We've got so many more great guests to come as well here and off the podium in the lead up to Beijing. Summer, winter, you name it, we've got it. If you want to stay up to date with who we've got on the show, off the podium, search for us on all social media networks, except for TikTok. We're not quite there yet. Or Tumblr. Is that still a thing? I'm not too sure. And all the podcast channels, search for off the podium. While you're there, hit the subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. And also leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Because Greta mentioned words, Nikki Webb to Esther Ledecker and Chupa Chumps. It's a five out of five from me today. So uh, that's just my recommendation when you're leaving that feedback there as well. But a big thanks to Greta. Big thanks to everyone for listening to Off the Podium. We'll be back soon with another great episode. My name is Ben. And as always, remember, go left. Go left.